Blog Talk Radio. Sunday, the 11th of June, 2017, and uh, EJ, it's good to be along with you on this Sunday afternoon. We should be talking later on in the program with our good friend Joe DeMeo. We've got the Major League Draft coming up, and of course, the question is, as always, what are the Mets looking at? And as a minor league expert, he could certainly talk about a lot what's going down on the farm. I know there's a certain player specifically that a lot of Met fans are very interested in, and as I was telling EJ just before we got the air, I'm keeping very close eye on him today. Not because I expect any action on him in in the uh, near future, but more because uh, he is facing probably the best pitching he's ever faced in his life as the Las Vegas 51s are teeing up against the Tacoma Rainiers at Tacoma and pitching for Tacoma, none other than King Felix himself, Felix Hernandez, and a rehab start. Yeah, Felix's uh, second rehab start, and uh, definitely that is – you want to face Major League Pitching, kid? Well, here it is. It doesn't get much better than that. I'm sure he'll probably be on a uh, abbreviated pitch camp, but still, it's it's, it's great. Uh, that's a great arm for for him to see to get a taste of what he could uh, compare to once he gets up here. But I'll on the great what, man, on the great side, uh, say, Las Vegas we're, is we're countering saying, with Montero, so you know. Oh, who by the way, <laughs> we'll talk about in a little bit the fact that yes. Sean Gilmartin's no longer with this organization, but Montero is. But that's the conversation for later. Because I don't want to go down that road right now. You know why? Because this is the first time. It's June 11th, and I feel like this is the first time, maybe all season, that we get on here on a Sunday night, and this is a legitimate happy recap. We, we've gotten on here after winning series two, two out of three, and yet we still ended up losing major players, uh, losing a Sunday game in awful fashion. And instead, we're sitting here on a Sunday night, and this is a pretty damn good weekend for the New York Metropolitans. Yeah, I mean, certainly as you look at it, I mean, giving up one run, and I'm just doing a quick scan, you know, here over the Mets' schedule over the past, uh, you know, the, the season, and uh, you know, the, the the amount of losses on um, losses on Sundays combined with the amount of runs given up, I am not seeing a game here. Just uh, certainly recently, I mean, one the opponents didn't get double digits off the Mets. But, yeah, there were two games this season where the Mets gave up two runs on a Sunday. That is by far the least they've given up on a Sunday, with only giving up one today. And realistically, apart from that first game against Atlanta, we completely shut down their bats with what I'd like to say the past two days was absolutely stellar pitching, something that, uh, you know, I mean, even in the loss on on Friday, they, they gave up three runs. So, overall, uh, six runs given up over four games. I call that a you know three out of four wins too. I call this a good weekend, and what's especially encouraging, besides of course the return of Ioannis Cespedes, is the fact that they did it with the pitching. The pitching won the night uh, because you know you didn't need more than a couple of runs each night. Yeah, you know we kept saying, all right, Lugo and Matt are on the horizon. Lugo and Matt are on the horizon, but are they really the be-all end-all solution? And while certainly they're not you know, a cinder guard, they're also not some of the guys we've been throwing out there in the, the prior weeks without them. But for both of them to go out there 
and kind of make something of a statement. I felt that, yeah, we're back. It was worth the extra rehab time to make sure we can stretch out if need be. And uh, they were both just really, really good in their appearances. And I was encouraged by what I saw out of Robert Kesselman as well. It, it seems like he was definitely uh, throwing better than we had seen him in quite some time. And I know that the, the company line all season has been, all right, wait till the reinforcements get here. Well, the first round of the reinforcements are here in the form of the two pitchers in Cespedes. And I, I guess so far, so good. I mean, the, the grand slam yesterday by Cespedes was uh, kind of like exercising some demons. And speaking of which, when it comes to exercising demons, I think when it comes to the city of Atlanta, it was in fact the ballpark and not in fact the city. Boy, you know, I tell you, you know, the, the, the way they have played so far at this new pe- ballpark, all flaws aside with it. And it was fun listening to Howie specifically on, uh, on Friday, just kind of rip a hole into the stadium as far as some of the, the missing things that has in it uh, yesterday as well. Uh, but, um, the uh, the the park is definitely not as brave friendly as uh, Turner Field was, at least when as the Mets are concerned. Um, and yeah, it was you know I, it was one of those things where it's like when they intentionally walked Conforto yesterday to get to Cespedes in the first game. <laughs> I'm like, boy, you know, I've read this script before, and normally the script is not in our favor, but this particular script always has a good sequel to it. This is the one where the sequel is usually better than the original. And sure enough, you know, it's one of those, one of those times I hate when it happens, but it does when you're watching a game over, I was watching it on my iPad and all of a sudden I get a little bling from my phone and I made the mistake of looking down as, you know, NSS, but it hits a grand slam. I'm like, great. I got to wait a minute to watch the salami, but uh, <laughs> you know, needless to say, I'm like, yep, that was exactly what I thought was in the script. And it played right to form, and I'm like, he just won us a ball game right here because there's no way they're getting five, even off, uh, even off Neil Rodriguez. I mean, you know, it's it it was a good, solid series. They didn't give up the Sunday game, which was to me was the most important part. And you know, this is this is one of those things that uh, for the last, I don't know, three or four weeks, AJ, I have been referring to what starts tomorrow as the 2017 Mets last stand. Uh, and that is because over the next 11 games, you have three against the Cubs, four against the Nationals, and then four against the Dodgers. All of them playoff teams, basically. Let's be honest. They're all playoff teams. And especially in our division, that series you know, against D.C. in D.C. is definitive. And I kind of feel like even this is a great momentum and I feel really good going into the series against the Cubs right now in Chicago. But to me is if they don't finish this stretch above 500, I think the season's over EJ. This is where it hinges. This is the linchpin of the 2017 season because of this ridiculous stretch they have on the schedule. And I hate to say that it's this early, but to me, this is do or die. This is where you see either which, you know, you talk about your, we've talked many times about your Memorial Day deadline. This is where you find out what this team is made of, these next 11 games. Yeah, I mean, you've got everyone back that you're going to be getting back for, for a while now. We, we've heard the news that Noah's not coming back for a while. So this is the team you're running with from this point on. And I agree with you that, the number one thing here is they have a lot of momentum right now. Don't go to Chicago and either get, A, embarrassed in the first game, 
or B, get swept. Just be competitive in Chicago. Show us more of games like we saw this weekend. If they're going to be low run affairs, let them be in our favor. Anybody complaining that Cespedes wasn't in the lineup today? Uh, yeah. You think the reason of that is because they've already announced he will definitely be in the lineup both Monday and Tuesday when we're playing a team that's much more impactful than the Braves and a, a team that uh, we probably need all of our strongest horses on, on the fence for. So I absolutely was fine with Cespedes sitting today. I agree with you, though. If the next two series in particular, the Cubs and the Nationals ones, it's just so critical that they play good baseball again. I had kind of started to let the, the thoughts that maybe this thing was done creep into the back of my mind. Um, I think you'd have to be at any logical Mets fan to have not thought it at some point in the recent weeks when they announced that Noah was being delayed again. Uh, definitely kind of thought, okay, that's it. But given what we've seen with some of the reinforcements back and the pitching performances that we've gotten, look, this team is not going to pitch to the worst ERA in baseball for the rest of the season. I think they're kind of due for one of those runs, maybe not like a Harvey Syndergaard kind of DeGrom run, but a very solid run of starting pitching. I think Jake is probably the thing I'm most nervous about, that he can't go long one game and then the next game completely fall apart. And you can tell that he's definitely emotionally feeling the heat right now. So I am concerned about him, but I think that the Mets could go on a stretch here where you see some very good pitching. Uh, I know Terry's talking about using the six-man rotation, hopefully to stretch out Wheeler since he is on an inning count this year. Uh, I I think that's a good idea, actually. I don't mind the idea of a six-man rotation. Uh, Harvey seems to always pitch better when he gets that extra day. So I think all those things combined could lead to some very well-pitched ball games. The only problem there being is both the Cubs and the Nats have perfect capability of throwing a well-pitched ball game right back up against you. But either way, I think this will be a very fun week of baseball. I think so. I mean, as long as the Mets don't embarrass themselves. And right now they're not playing like a team that will. Uh, But, uh, you know, certainly you still go and you still kind of, uh, you know, just I I think trepidation. I think, you know, a little bit of PTSD from the season is, uh, you know, to be expected and how it's gone. And, uh, you know, still feeling when will the next shoe drop? When will the next shoe drop? And, um, you know, the other, the other side, of course, being that um, there are certain fans that believe that um, the organization is hamstringing us by keeping a certain prospect at AAA. Um, you know, it's a tough call. Th- on, on him. It's a very tough call. It's a very tough call. He is such a, a, a kind of a lightning pole, it seems like. You look at his numbers, and you're just like, look, this isn't a Vegas thing. This isn't uh, the league, the PCL league that he's in. This is a kid who can just flat out hit. And if it was just the hitting that was was the factor, I would be okay with them maybe delaying a little more. But the fact is, if you called him up right now, he is a remarked defensive improvement as well. So I, I really, I, I've heard that we're past the Super 2 date, and everyone kind of thought that that was going to be it. I really have... No idea why he's not here. I also have no idea. And, you know, it's funny. Last night when I heard the news, this was going to be a much angrier broadcast out of me because we all know I kind of had the man crush on T.J. Rivera. I have no idea why he's not here anymore. That made I understand they had to get some horses in the bullpen. That's not the guy. I love him to death. Jose Reyes is the guy who should probably have been uh, a move made on him that he is just not the ball player we hoped he was going to be. 
But, I mean, T.J. Rivera should be here still. And I'm of the opinion that Rosario should absolutely be here, like, yesterday. I think part of it is that uh, with Reyes, I think there's more going on off the field than we think. One of the things that somebody was saying to me the other day was uh, talking about the fact that the Met infield defense has gotten a lot weaker. Not so much from the attri- – I mean, obviously, you have a second baseman and a shortstop who are a year older. That's, that's always going to be the case. But you also have a situation where your infield instructor is no longer with the team. You don't have an infield instructor really anymore. You instead replace them with a catching instructor. And not that there's anything wrong with the Mets having brought in uh, Glenn Sherlock. I personally think they probably should have replaced Dick Scott with him. Um, but uh, the, you know, the reality of it is, is Timmy Tuffle is not the infield coach anymore responsible for positioning the infielders. Uh, as a result, you're not getting the positioning. Some people have said, suggested that perhaps that is something that Jose Reyes is doing in an advisory capacity, almost a player coach type thing. I personally think, I don't know if that's true. What I really think is happening is I think they're hoping they can keep Reyes around long enough so that at least as a player, um, there can be some sort of mentorship role uh, with Rosario when he's eventually called up. I just think the clock is ticking. I, I think that if you're going to bring Rosario up at some point, I think the guy that you got to cut is Jose Reyes. I mean, I hate to say it. He's the guy you got to let go to bring up the kid. Now, I had a chance to see Rosario play. I've been joking all along that they can't call up Rosario until June 11th because I've got tickets to see him on June 10th. And by golly, I've been waiting for that game all – I've been waiting for that, this game all season long pretty much because the minute I saw last, you know, the schedule come out last year, okay, when is Vegas coming to town? Okay, there's definitely a chance that Rosario and Dom Smith are still going to be with the team. Had it been after the All-Star break, I would have been like, oh, I may not get to see them after all at all. But uh, the, um, the reality is I did get to see Rosario. He looks to me there, – there are two think, concerns I have with Rosario. One, he, I, I think he does, much like Reyes early on, tries to get too much and do too much, and the result is 11 errors on the season. Um, that being said, that is so – I mean, he had 23 last year. This is nothing common. He had 17 the year before that, 21 in the year before that. So, I mean, this is a kid who makes a lot of errors, um, and he's certainly on pace for, you know, career average. That being said, you look at second base, uh, third, third baseman and shortstops, and both of them early in their career make a lot of errors because they get try to do too much. Uh, David Wright, I mean, you look at even back in the classic year, like Mike Schmidt, you know, Ozzie Smith, they all had a lot of errors early in their career. Now, I'm not saying Rosario is the next, um, the next Ozzie Smith by any stretch, but here's the deal. Throughout the PCL, and especially in Las Vegas, you have a lot of dry infields, really dry infields. And you're prone to bad bounces a lot more in those infields. And so it's harder to work on that element of your game in the PCL. Um, you know, I, I, and the other thing is, I don't think the kid walks enough. I definitely think you know, the reality of it is, is look, uh, looking at him this year, he has struck out 44 times and walked 15 times that's not a great ratio. And so, you know, he's got the three thirty nine batting average, but his on pace percentage is only three eighty one. It should be a lot higher than that for somebody who's hitting three thirty nine. The good news about that, EJ, is I think those are both tweaks and I think they could both be accomplished at the major league level. That being said, in a pennant race, if somehow the Mets find themselves in one, I'm not sure that's the place for on the job training. 
But if they say drop seven of the next 13, I say you got to bring them up. Oh, yeah, no doubt about it. I'm not concerned overly with the errors either because from what I've seen of him, and I've seen a decent amount, is like you said, he does try to do so much, but a lot of times he's successful in doing it. A lot of yes, times he is. he's successful in getting the balls that your typical major league shortstop isn't getting to. So I'm okay with – I kind of feel like he's the type of guy who giveth and taketh away. So if he does, in fact, have an error, he's probably at some point in that game going to get to a ball and maybe save a run in another way or make up for it with his bat. So I'm not, I'm not overly concerned with that. And you're right about the walk thing, and you're also right that that is something that you get him together with your major league hitting coach and you start talking approach and you start talking to some of those veterans – some of those guys, I mean, say what you want about Duda and Bruce, and believe me, I've said a lot about both. Those are guys who understand how to get on base, even if it's not via the base hit. So get him in front of some veterans, get them to start getting in his head a little bit, and I'm sure that is something that, while I never think he's going to be an on-base percentage machine, I definitely think he could get to a much more respectable number, given his very high batting average. Yeah, and that's and that's exactly it for, for Key. And I think also it also helps, I mean, his really his only protection in the lineup, I mean, for the most part, is is Dominic Smith. I mean, yep. the rest of the lineup. I mean, I mean, you've got some decently talented guys. Ploiecki is actually doing pretty well down at AAA. That's not not unexpected. Um, you've got uh, Brandon Nimmo down there. He he was looking. I I was really impressed with how he looked last night. Um, it looks like he's kind of gotten the rust uh, broken off of him from his uh, spring injury uh, from the World Baseball Classic. And, um, you know, you, you've got Philip Evans, who's gotten off to a rough start after a great spring. And then you've got Gavin Cicchini, who I, I'm still trying to figure him out in the sense that, uh, you know, I don't know, you know, I don't know where, you know, I don't know where he is at, um, you know, as far as in his head and, and whatnot. But he seems like a guy in his third year at AAA, basically, uh, should should be batting with a higher average at this point, especially at the PCL. So, but the end result is not a lot of not a lot of particularly uh, you know strong bats behind him. Yet he's still hitting three thirty nine, and Dom Smith is still hitting not much different than that actually. Uh, what I really like too about about uh, Rosario's game right now is he's also finally doing something I'd hoped he would do. He's using his speed a bit more. Um, he he's definitely I mean he's got eleven stolen bases on the season after nineteen all of last year. Uh, I feel really pretty good about that because I think he's a 25 plus, you know, stolen base kind of guy. And, you know, the stolen base isn't what it was and it doesn't need to be what it was in major league baseball. But if you've got a guy on, uh, you know, it's capable of, stand, you know, hitting, you know, getting on base and stealing a base, you've got a guy who's going to be in, in scoring position multiple times a game. So let's say they call him up tomorrow and let's say Reyes is the one who goes where are you slotting him in the lineup? Boy, I think I mean I, I know it's I know what Terry's mo is. It's going to be the you know, it would be the eighth slot, eighth, obviously. Yeah. But we're um, so where would we put him? <laughs> I mean, uh, boy, you know, I, I think I think I mean, just to get him a day or I think the first day, game or two, I might actually put him down seventh eighth. Uh, okay. but afterwards, I, you know, especially in this particular series, cause you've got a lineup that's mostly firing on the cylinders right now. Um, even Cabrera has looked okay of late. Um, I mean, I wouldn't, 
by any means put him on the bench. He goes in the lineup the minute he comes up, and I move, I move Cabrera over to third base. Quite frankly, is what I do. Um, and you know, as far as Flores, I know Flores is hot right now, but I think I kind of juggle him over at first base and kind of juggle a little bit and just try and get him into the lineup as often as I can. Uh, but with Rosario, I probably try him in second event, in second eventually. And if he really proves himself well, I, I think you flip-flop him with Conforto because I think Conforto gets better pitches if you put him in at sec- in the second slot. But, uh, you know, I, I don't think there's any part of me that's saying, other than his current slump notwithstanding, of which is fairly severe right now, um, you know, I, I haven't seen anything out of Conforto that tells me that, uh, you know, he has been a disappointment out of the leadoff slot. No, I think Conforto's done a very good job. Even in the slump, uh, he, he's doing a good job at the leadoff slot. I kind of agree with you. I kind of like the idea of him maybe being slid into that second hole. He almost reminds me of a faster Fonzie in a way, and that was a, a perfect spot for him. I feel like he would still be able to use both that very high average and his speed in a lot of scenarios, batting in the second hole. But if the day came to flip-flop him and Conforto, I'd be totally fine with that as well. It is interesting, though, that you would advocate, if it's tomorrow, you'd advocate putting Wilmer kind of as a floating man and not getting him in every day, given how hot he is. But I can't argue with, as Drupal Cabrera, should not be out of the lineup. So it's, a, it's an interesting spot. And you can see, because of all these moving parts, maybe why they've been so hesitant to make the move and go grab him is just maybe they feel that with Cabrera and the way Wilmer's swinging right now, and you're never going to replace Neil, that maybe they just feel, hey, we just don't have the spot for the kid right now. So why call him up if he's just going to probably ride the pine? Well, and I mean, too, you know, you look at the, you know, if you're talking about Conforto's slump, what a horrible time to go into a slump with Cespedes back. You have the same problem out there now. Because Conforto seemed like the guy, he had stolen a job out there. He had a job. But if you're really going to play the hot hand, and in this next 11 games, how can you not play the hotter hands? Is Conforto in the lineup? And that's a tough question. And I don't like the answer because I think it's no. I think it's no, too. I mean, Granderson, while he hasn't been great, he's been better. He's been better than Conforto's been as of recently, and it's been a long time. It's been a lengthy slump. So I almost feel like, and you know, he's, Curtis is a Terry favorite, so that, that's a factor you've got to play in, too. I, I definitely can see there being a, a period where Conforto's going to get probably multiple days obsessed with this back and healthy, and you'll be seeing Granderson back out in center again. Yeah, absolutely. I think I think that's that's kind of the way it's going to have to go. And the you know, the other thing too, obviously, um, you know, I they probably need to give uh, you know give Conforto a couple of days to clear his head. He can watch his uh, you know, he, he can watch his alma mater in the College World Series, and uh, you know, also uh, you know, just kind of reacclimate himself to the fact he's going to be back in center field again. So, I mean, it it you know, I I, I hate to jerk the kid around more, but at the end of the day. You know, this is a really important week and a half for this team. Um, you know, you get swept by the Nats, you're certainly done in the division. And if you, you know, you lose the majority of the Cubs and the Dodgers, way too many teams to leapfrog in the wild card. I mean, it's, it, to me, it's still bizarre to think that this, just because of schedule and how it's working out, the Mets could be done in June. And that is really frustrating as a fan because, you know, it's more the scheduling than how the team's playing. And it's just the way it is. Yeah. It's, you know, it's a, it's a bummer, but we've said it so many times on the show, the road to the playoffs is the division. And I've never felt that more than now. 
You look at the amount of teams ahead of the Mets. The last time I checked, I don't know what it is today, but the last time I checked, the two teams in the top spots for wild cards were both uh, 10 games or better over 500. I mean, as the Mets sit here five under today, it's hard to think that there would be that much of a swing for them to try to get into contention with a wild card. And then, as you mentioned, the amount of teams they would have to have to leapfrog to get that spot. I, I'm 100% done thinking the wild card is a possibility for the Mets this year. It has to be the division, and which means they have to make some major noise against the Nationals as soon as possible and every chance that they get. Well, and I mean, again, the fact of the matter is you are playing uh, you know, four games against the Dodgers who hold one of those wild cards, uh, you know, and you're eight and a half off that. Uh, and you're playing them at home. I mean, I, 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 I stated that on the show a month ago, I think it was, that I thought that the road was through the division, and I think that's still the case. But the Mets could make it a lot different if they really took the Dodgers to school somehow. Um, and if they did fairly strong against the Cubs, who, let's be honest, they're only two games ahead of the Mets in the wild card race. They're 30 and 31 right now. Last year's World Series champions, folks, are 30 and 31. Uh, the Mets are only two games behind them in the standings. They are vulnerable. They are extremely vulnerable. Yeah, I just, even if you do bang up the, the Dodgers, I mean, it just feels like there's so many other, you can't count on, a, you're not going to get the opportunity to play all of these teams frequently. And B, you can't count on all of them faltering drastically. So it would, it would really take a run from the Mets that we, we haven't seen in a significant amount of time. They would have to pretty much play as flawless as baseball as you've seen. They'd probably have to play about 700 baseball moving forward in order to really make themselves something of a contender there. Just, again, because they got themselves in such a bad spot right now and the volume of teams in front of them is so amount and so great that I, I just I don't see it happening. But I'd love for them to prove me wrong by going on like a a thirty and ten run here and really uh, shutting me up. Well, and the other thing too is I mean you look at you look at who is ahead of the Mets right now. It, specifically, obviously you got the Nationals ahead of the Mets in in the National League East. Uh, ten game difference right now. The Mets won three in a row. The the Nationals have lost two in a row. So the Mets have picked up a couple games here this weekend um, on, on the nationals um, with the, with you know, regards to the wild card right now, ahead of the Mets, you've got the Cardinals who as of right now, look like they're, um, well, I should, yeah, they're they're They just won their game six to five over, over Philadelphia. Um, so they're, they're, they're chugging along just fine. Uh, the the uh, Dodgers are currently losing um to Cincinnati in the fifth as as when obviously as when the show is live um they're ahead of us uh, the cubs are ahead of us um and uh you get the the cardinals the reds the the cubs the diamondbacks the dodgers well let's look at the NL West is the Colorado Rockies right now in the they division lead in question kind of, mark which is to me still I can't even explain that Nope. Um, so, you know, you, you got to figure there's a good possibility at some point the Dodgers or Diamondbacks over, overcome them and they fade back to where you expect the Rockies to be. Because I'm not, I mean, sorry, Rockies fans, I'm not convinced that's for real. I'm absolutely not convinced that's for real at all. Uh, but maybe it is. Maybe it is. But uh, as of now, I'm not sold. 
Um, so it's certainly possible that one of those Dodgers or Diamondbacks goes off the board and there's only four. Um, the Reds at 29 and 32 or seven and a half off the wild card. That to me says they're not serious. The Cardinals, we'll see what happens there, but I mean, they've already had a coaching shakeup. I mean, who, who knows what's happening there? Um, the Cubs I think they're going to be in it the whole way. Um, I, I think it's really the Mets, the Cubs, the Diamondbacks, and the Dodgers for those two, you know, for those two uh, wild card spots, barring the Rockies, you know, n- not coming back to earth. So it's not as undoable as it sounds, but at the same time, you know, you've got. I, I want to say we we've not played the Dodgers at all this season, have we? No, not yet. Okay, so we've got seven coming up against the Dodgers. Diamondbacks, we have played. Um, so at most, we think we have what three games left against them because we haven't yep. only played them once. So we've got yeah, three four, against them. It was them. a four-game set. Yep. Yeah, and so and the Cubs we have coming up here, and we haven't played them at all yet. Typically, we have their number. Um, you know, it, it's one of those things. Looking at it today on June 11th, it almost seems more doable than the division, but. Again, it comes down to this next 11 games. They do great. I think they're in the division, they're in it for the division and they could very well be in it for the wild card still. I think if they falter, they're out of both. Yeah, they go 8 and 3, I can get on board with them being contenders for both. They go 5 and 6? Yeah, not so much. I, I agree that they five and, really need five to and six is stand I mean out. five and six five and six you might still be hanging on by the skin of your teeth for the, for the division. It if depends where national, you distribute those where you distribute those six. Yes, I think it very much. I mean, if you know if you know if five if you win five of those games and four of the, you know, three of them are against the Nationals or whatnot, yeah, you might still be in this a little bit. But uh, yeah, you know, at the same time, you know, mo- by most uh, you know. By most standards, going five and six over the next eleven, I think the word that comes to, uh, comes into play is sell. Oh yeah, I totally agree. If you go five and six over this, I agree. It's time to sell, and it's time to call up Rosario at that point because see what he you get a chance to see what he has, and maybe you get to restock the coffers a little bit in the uh, in the minor league system. Yeah, and there are Ros- you could pr- probably get a, pr- a pretty nice bounty for if you were willing to part with them. I mean, say what I will, how I'm so hypercritical of Lucas Duda, but, I mean, if you wanted to sell Lucas Duda, you could probably get some nice pieces back for him. So, they you know, I was, have some I've been talking to a couple – I've actually talked to a couple people about that, and it's certainly, you know, it, it's, it's always refreshing to talk to somebody outside the organization because, let's be honest, at Met fans, we do overvalue our own guys. Uh, and I think Lucas Duda is one of those guys that either Met fans tragically undervalue or hysterically overvalue. There's not a lot of actual proper valuation of Lucas Duda. It feels like by Mets fans. I don't know if you if, if you've ever felt that same way. It just to me seems like overall it, it's it's not quite uh, on par with what his actual abilities are. Uh, but um, the problem is it doesn't seem to be a lot of teams that'll be looking for first baseman. First baseman, and there yeah. may and there may be. One or two bet. I mean, because you figure Hosmer is probably going to be on the trade market, and you can make a case that there, that he, that certainly he's better. And just, uh, just to point out, in his second at bat uh, against him, Omar Rosario flew out against Felix Hernandez. 
Um, so he's 0 for 2 currently against the ace of the Mariners. But um, the um, and, and and for the record, also in the uh, I'm I'm going to try a little jinx here with two outs on the top of the fourth. Uh, Felix has not allowed a hit yet. Oh, already. As, as Tacoma is beating Vegas currently one to nothing, so a bit of a pitcher's duel actually. Uh, Dominic Smith is batting for for Vegas, and hopefully, uh, you know, he, let's see what he can do to activate my jinx. You, you pulled one out of the rabbit's hat the other night with uh, jinx and a no hitter, so let's see if I can do it here. But uh, <laughs> you know, it, it's you know, it, it, it yeah. I think the problem that I'm hearing. Um, is that um, the demand at the deadline with the amount of people that are going to be moving is, is that there isn't a whole lot of Mets that are going to get you more than a mid-level prospect or two. And Duda is probably one of those guys that gets you a mid-level prospect or two, unfortunately. I think the biggest ransom, as weird as it sounds, I think would be for Addison Reed because there's always a market for a closer, and he's a guy you're not bringing back next year. Uh, he's been great. Don't get me wrong, but the fact of the matter is with Familia coming back, unless he completely nosedives from here on out, and he's looked really good this weekend specifically, this is a guy who is going to get a closer job in 2018 from somewhere, and it's not going to be the Mets because the Mets have a closer. You know, No matter what you think of Familia, no matter the question marks you feel surround him because of his surgery, he is the, the, the heir. Unless you want a non-tender Familia, He's your closer in 2018. That means you're going out and looking for an eighth inning guy next year, one way or the other. Um, so the question is, if the Mets are still in it, you can't trade Reed. If the Mets are out of it, I think he's got to be the first one off the bus. Yeah, definitely. And it, it makes sense because there are going to be teams looking for a closer, particularly the one that we're going to be chasing down in the division. So uh, Reed could definitely be a uh, – a guy who gets you back, brings you back a, a, a pretty sizable sum, you would assume, for teams that feel like they might be in contention for that second wild card, but just really don't have anyone to close out games right now. Uh, so I, I mean, agree with you, and I wouldn't be, be mad at it. If I feel like the Mets are out of it, there's no reason to have a good closer if your team is not really going anywhere. So I, 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 mean, I have no problem with it, and I'm confident and familiar that when he comes back, maybe he's not great, but he'll be good enough for a team that's really going nowhere. And the thing too is, is uh, Dominic Smith flies out, so it's uh, now four complete for uh, for Felix Hernandez without giving up a hit uh, to the fifty-one. So there you have that. Um, I, I no, uh, email to Mariners subject line: Felix is ready. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna guess he does not get another rehab start after this. That's just a hunch. Uh, but um, the um, you know the the uh, thing too with uh, um, with with this team and selling is, is that you've got a lot of guys too. Where Addison Reed, he's making what is he making eight million this year, five million this year? I don't think it's a whole heck of a lot. He's certainly not making closer money. Um, and me- meanwhile, I mean Duda is also a value option. The others potentially out there are not. I mean you're going to be eating. A lot of contracts. If you keep, yeah, 5.3 million last year, and um, looks like that's why for some reason I'm not coming up with the current. Uh, uh, let's see, there's his current contract. Um, he, it's not gonna be much more than that though. That's for sure. Um, he is making 2017 7.75. So I was pretty close. Uh, 7.75 million. 
Uh, Duda's making around that as well, maybe a million or two less. But, I mean, with Walker, you're, you've got – he took the QO. I mean, you've got Bruce making $18 million. Granderson's making a little bit less than that. I mean, you're going to be spending some serious change to send them away to get, a, you know, to get anything back. Keep in mind, Jay Bruce, it took Dilson Herrera to get him last year, who wasn't exactly you know, the top prospect in the organization by any means and you know, has not exactly done much uh, since the trade anyway. Yeah, that's the reason I didn't bring up Bruce or Walker. I think both of their contracts are really prohibited that it, on a team to bring them in, given what the performance that they could expect out of them, which is that's the main reason I didn't mention Granderson is more performance-based than salary-based, but certainly salary plays a part too. I really don't think any of those three guys are going to be more desirable than what may potentially be out there for teams looking to sell. Yeah, Absolutely. Um, as we wrap things up for today, we'll reschedule with Joe DeMeo and uh, get him in after the draft. Uh, sometimes it's more fun to get him after the draft anyway, so he can kind of complain about the guys we didn't get and also tell us all about the guys we did. So we'll get him back with us in a couple weeks. Next week, Father's Day, no show. Uh, but uh, EJ, before we do this, since we got the full 11 games ahead of us and they'll be done by the time we meet again in two weeks, uh, any predictions? What do you predict out of those 11 games? Like I said earlier, I like the momentum they've got. They've got to be feeling good with the reinforcements in place now. I'm trying to be optimistic and happy here. As long as they don't go out and get shelled in Chicago on that first day, which could change everything, as long as they're competitive in that first game in Chicago, even if they lose it, as long as it's a competitive game in Chicago, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to give them 7-4. and I like them against the Dodgers. Um... And I just have a feeling, a weird, um, hey, I'm a Mets fan, why not, feeling about the Nationals. So for some reason, I'm kind of feeling like a a lost series in Chicago, but winning series versus the Nats and the Dodgers. You know, I mean, the one thing I like is, I mean, you got DeGrom, who's not been great going tomorrow against the Cubs. He's 4-3 and with a 4.75, but you got Lackey pitching, who's 4-6 and with a 5.12 this year. Um, I really like that matchup, actually, despite the fact that DeGrom has not looked great the last two times out there. Um, the, um, the, uh, um, I, I'm, I'm pretty close to you, but, boy, I keep hedging between 6-5 and five and 7-4. and four. I kind of almost wish I could take 6.5 and 4.5, and uh, but <laughs> yeah, I know I can't. Really. So, I, so just to be different, I'm going to take the 6-5, and five, but really I could see 7-4. and four. I just don't want to pick the same thing as you. So. <laughs> And well, last thing, last thing. Wrong. Let's hope we're both wrong. It's eight and three. Absolutely. Last thing from you, I wanted to get you. You, you had a take. You said on uh, Gil Martin getting DFA'd over Montero, and I'll uh, real quick give me your take, and I'll give you mine. Uh, I just didn't love the move. I mean, Gil Martin, while he's never going to be an earth-moving pitcher for you, he could be a workhorse for you, and uh, he, he's definitely put in performances for the Mets of value at the major league level, which is something I just really don't feel you're ever going to get out of Rafael Montero. I'm convinced that Montero's got naked pictures of someone because there's no way that this guy should still be within this organization. All right, so here's my take on it. I think it's completely different. I don't don't think Montero has naked pictures. I also don't think he's long for this organization. Um, I think that he would very likely who would be DFA'd in the case of uh, Noah Syndergaard ever making it back this season. Um, I also don't think he'll be back in this organization next year. However, I, I was at the 51s game last night. I saw Sean Gilmartin pitch his last game in the Mets organization. Um, typical meh appearance. He kept the get Mets. He kept the 51s in the game, uh, but uh, didn't look tremendously great doing it. Got into a lot of trouble. Got out of it uh, most of the time. 
but um, the the reality of it is, if you look at the Las Vegas 51s, Gil Martin pitched last night. Montero pitches today. You cut Montero, you literally have no starting pitcher for the 51s. Yeah, that's a good uh, point. And, and I, I have to think that, and they're in worse pitching shape than we are, for the record, because we took all their good pitchers. Um, and uh, Tyler Pill is not back with the team yet. Um, I think 24 hours later, I think you've got Tyler Pill back, and you can you can actually make that move. Uh, but at the end of the day, I think this is a move that was as much about the 51s as it was the Mets because of who was on turn and who wasn't. You have two guys with no future in the organization. Um, and you know, I think in the back of their minds, they're probably like, I can't imagine anybody picks up Gil Martin anyway. Well, they did, but um, the Cardinals did pick him up. But at the end of the day, um, I think the move had as much to do with who was pitching last night and who was pitching today than it did anything else. Yeah, that's logical. I, 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 it makes sense. I just personally, I just feel like it, it's not a, a love of Gil Martin sentiment I'm feeling. It's it's kind of an anti Montero sentiment that I'm feeling. But hey, let him go I, out there. And, I was uh, have his, Montero, have his Montero was with it, Felix today. Montero was in the stands last night doing because they always put their players in, uh, behind home plate doing the charting and the. I jokingly said to a few fans, because I would never do anything like this. I'm not this type of fan, but like, hey, Montero's 20 feet away. Any messages? Uh, <laughs> and boy, did I get some interesting responses, all of which I would never in a million years walk up to Rafael Montero and say. Um, I'm just not that kind of guy. But uh, needless to say, uh, I, I, did, uh, I did enjoy the humor of the responses. EJ, always a pleasure to do a, uh, a show with you. Always a pleasure to sit down and get one uh, Get one done in a good scenario where we have a happy recap and we have a good show and we have a good week of Mets baseball to talk about. Of course, wish you a very happy Father's Day next week, and I look forward to doing this again in two weeks. Any final thoughts? Uh, you as well. Happy Father's Day, brother, and hopefully the recap in two weeks will be as happy as tonight's has been. Absolutely. If we go through and uh, sweep all 11, let's do a special show. <laughs> Absolutely. I'd love to. <laughs> All right. Well, sounds good. All right. Until next time in two weeks, thanks for tuning into the Happy Recap Radio Show. You can visit us online at Facebook. Uh, just look up the Happy Recap. You'll find a discussion going on in our Facebook forum. Also, you can find uh, uh, EJ at the Happy Recap on Twitter. You can find me at The Real Hoop. And, of course, our absent uh, but much-loved friend, uh, Ryan, you can find him at Big Country Griff on Twitter. Until next week, let's go Mets, and please, please a bunch.